Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the show where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in the order they came out. And I've been doing it for weeks now, and I've been doing it uh, in the hopes that the movies get better and better. And we're in the month of November now, which is the what I would call the all-star month of Hitchcock movies, with Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, and The Birds all slated for this month. But I had to watch a Jimmy Stewart one. And if I'm going to watch a movie with Jimmy Stewart being a horrible person and, uh, you know, terrible to women, I have to bring in someone who's seen it all before uh, with me from the Gaming Nexus show and the GamingNexus.com. <laughs> it's Eric I Howder? Hotter? Hot, hot, hotter. Hotter. Like uh, slaughter. Thank you. Because as someone who gets their, I don't put my last name out there that much, but it does get mispronounced quite a bit. I apologize, but welcome back. Thanks. Uh, you know, I am, I am so excited to talk about this movie. I'm so excited to be here because, um, like, like when we talked about rear window, I had never seen this film before. And unlike rear window, I had a wildly inaccurate picture Dude. of what this movie was in my mind wildly inaccurate i was so wrong about what this movie was and so I, I i just watched it last night it's very fresh in my mind and my brain was melting out of my ears i, I have seen this before and i didn't remember 98 percent of it i i it was completely different than what i remembered and i can't it's been decades since I've seen it and I can't, I can't, I mean, I don't know. And when I finished watching the movie, the note I wrote was, what was this movie? <laughs> what was this? And then I wrote, I just don't know about this movie. I don't know, Eric, if I like this or not. I, I also don't know if I liked it or not. And, and it's interesting because like this movie has, uh, escalated in prestige like exponentially over the last 40 50 60 yeah. years since it came out i guess like 55 years since it came out you know uh I, I i was reading some of the history and when it first came out it was uh not successful uh the critics were not kind to it it barely made back its budget um hitchcock blamed it on jimmy stewart's age and and refused to work with him ever again. This is the last Jimmy Stewart Hitchcock yeah, film. That's so weird um, to me. I, that, but that's just Hitch. He, you can't blame it on himself or <laughs> it's, right. it's definitely Jimmy Stewart's fault, which I don't feel like he was the, years, the problem. No, 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 he was not the problem. But over the years, the, the film has like just gone up and up and up and up and up in people's estimation until in 2012, AFI listed it as the best film of all time. Like, like it, it knocked, uh, uh, Rosebud, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Citizen Kane, knocked Citizen Kane out of the top spot and is now considered the best film it of is, all time or the greatest, it is not the even the best film, film in his, his filmography. And it, it wouldn't make the top 10 for me. Um, uh, to me as a, a hardcore fan of psycho psycho is still, number one by a mile and i've watched nearly all of his works and and that movie i don't need to i could do a podcast about psycho right now and go frame by frame scene by scene i've seen the movie so many times and none of his movies even comes close but this movie is not great uh and i <laughs> it was great on one level it was great on like the oh my god what is happening yes level like the entire film i was just like oh oh my god what is happening the like, ending I is spectacular <laughs> that doesn't mean good it just means it was a spectacle it was it was like I, just to, just to kind of like set set the the mind frame that i was in going into this the image that I had of this movie, and, and, and now I know what it is from, I had an image of Jimmy Stewart on Mount Rushmore being afraid of heights. And that's what was in my that's head. That's two movies. And now I know, I know that's North by Northwest, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, that's, that's not this movie. 
But I went into it expecting like a crime caper. Yeah. Uh with with uh almost like a like a detective chasing the bad guys. But he has trouble because he ha- he's afraid of heights. Like, that's what I thought. This I, and that's was. what I like, remember. I remember, like, this thrilling scene of him climbing the tower and getting to, like, the ultimate bad guy in this movie gets away with it. He totally skates. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, like, gone. He's, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie, he disappears from the movie and uh, wins. He, he wins the day. He pays no penalty for what for murdering. Um, I mean, it's amazing in that way. So there are things I like. I like the ending. It's bananas, but it's also like, all right, all right, all right, okay, let me take a breath. Do we need to regroup. Yeah, we I need just, to regroup and, and, and maybe like start at the beginning. This and was go through so and... much different than Rear Window. It was it its own beast. And. Oh. There's there's some real wackadoo moments in this movie, man. Like the whole part where <laughs> when it goes animated, <sighs> I was, my jaw was on the floor. I, I was like, uh, uh, it, so there's a movie called Spellbound that has this. Um, who's the artist? Dolly, Dolly, Salvador Dolly, Dolly. Da, da, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He he actually made some art for a dream sequence in one of other Hitchcock's movies and it's excellent. It's if you, if you uh, are looking for sort of a underground, what I would call a hidden gem in the Hitchcock library, uh, spellbound is really good. It's got Gregory Peck and Egrid Bergman in it. And, um, and it has this wonderful dream sequence. And then the dream sequence in this movie is, I don't understand. I, it was just so unexpected when it happened. I, I just had no idea that it was going to happen. And then what happens after the dream sequence is so, I guess, episodic for a little, like, I, I really feel like we got to back up and start at the beginning because like we're, we're jumping into like two thirds of the way uh, through the movie. It's so. a wild ride. I'll, I'll say that, but it's also a wild ride that has a lot of lulls. Um, Man, the first half of this movie is straight up. Just Jimmy Stewart following her around in his car. Like, yes, he is driving. He is driving. He is driving a bomb white DeSoto and he is driving. And then and he is the second half of the movie is him dressing, playing dress up. Right. So <laughs> with this new Barbie doll. <sighs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a total creep show. The whole he, thing is a total creep yeah. show. Yeah. So uh, he basically Jimmy Stewart, it opens with this wonder. Like, so one thing I wrote about this movie is that it's way more open than any Hitchcock movie I've seen so far. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of outdoor shots. There's a lot of open air. And most everything that I've seen of Hitchcock's feels like it's on a set. Yeah. And uh, this was a nice departure from that. And it opens up with a rooftop shot. The two cops are chasing the bad guy. And Jimmy Stewart can't make the jump. And he hangs off a ledge. And his partner tries to save him, and his partner dies, falling off the building in what is probably the second worst shot of a person falling that is in a Hitchcock film. It was better. It was better than Jimmy Stewart falling off the balcony in Rear Window yes. or out of the window in Rear Window. It was better than that. So um, I think be- before we even before we even go any further, I want to take just one second and talk about the opening credits, which were actually kind of cool. Like, like if you remember the opening credits, and did you watch this on Showtime? Did you? Watch I did. Print yeah, on Showtime, mm-hmm. which is like nice, clean print. There's some weirdness later on with it, but for the most part, a pretty clean print. So th- those opening credits, where it kind of has like these kind of spirograph shapes, like these geometric shapes, uh, kind of like twisting and turning over the opening credits, and it's got this real atmospheric music. Yeah. And, and I wanted just to take a second and call out the music because I started watching this with my five-year-old son in the room and he was creeped out yeah. as hell by the music. Like it, it, like whatever, whatever you want to say about how, how the movie is dated and, and so on and so forth, man, that soundtrack worked like a charm on my kid because he was like terrified by the opening and i kept saying this isn't gonna be scary dude like it's cool you could stay 
Like nothing scary is gonna right. happen in this movie, but he he bailed. Like he couldn't hang. Like the spider graphs in the lady's eye. It's nightmare. The, the opening credits. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he he was out. He was done. So then it goes to the rooftop. Yeah, and, so and his partner dies. And and this is one of the things that I think Hitch, being a genius, as they say, that could have helped is if he had had the foresight to say, "This is going to look like garbage. Let's just show Jimmy Stewart's face." reacting to the death of his partner you know yeah so this this event affects jimmy stewart so much that he gets vertigo he's got acrophobia if he's he's scared of heights and that gives him vertigo which is like a dizziness and so real quick it's very unclear how on earth he escaped hanging from that yes like the the roof is almost vertical like the other, like so vertical, he's the other guy slips and falls. By those he's gutters from the eavesdrop, and, and nobody is around. And he's like five Ow. stories in the air, and or higher. His partner just died, and you cut away, and he's sitting in a chair with his good friend Midge, with only needing a cane and a garter or what is that what it's called the yeah he keeps calling it a garter i, I assumed it was like a back break yeah or and, he was, and he was embarrassed by it because don't women wear these or you know any men that wear these and he's got a cane and he's just as soon as he can take it off the all the better uh now how did you feel about midge okay um i i have mixed feelings about midge i on on the plus side, I felt that Midge gives maybe the best, most realist, realistic human performance in the film. Like, yeah. I really thought that the actress who portrayed Midge uh, really felt the most like a real person. Um, there's one scene in particular where she's talking to the doctor and uh, and she says, like, uh, he's, he was in love with her and he still is. And the music isn't going to help. And her bottom lip starts quivering a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, she's she's actually acting. Like, <laughs> like, this is like a real emotion on somebody's face, you know. And so on the performance side, I really liked Midge. Yes. Same. On the other hand, I don't know what the heck Midge was doing in this movie. I have no it's idea so what the point weird. of her like, character was. She's, I kept expecting her to like come around and do something. She's not consistent either. Like she has this. So her and Jimmy Stewart at one point were engaged. Yes. His name's Johnny, right? I'm not making yeah. that up. It's Johnny. And and Midge were engaged and a court. Or Scotty. Scotty. No, he goes John, John Scotty. Scott, it's both. Yeah, it's both. And he actually, it, at some point, somebody asked him if he wants to be called Jack. Uh, <laughs> it's like no, John or Scotty. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So it's not confusing in any way. But he was engaged to Midge, and he says that Midge called it off. And there's points in this movie where you can tell that Midge is a little jealous of this new woman that he's running around with, but not so jealous to let it show. And then like. But- Jealous enough to be a little stalkery. Yeah, so she's following him around. Anyway, they have their relationship, which is weird. Now it is weird. It is. It, it takes some real weird turns before it just disappears from the movie entirely. Yes. So they're like best friends now. Like it's yeah. his only friend, See, really. Like drinking buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And well, anyway, he gets a call from his his buddy uh, Gavin, who he hasn't seen in right. years, and. Uh, Gavin is an entrepreneur. He runs a ship thing. Uh, we should say also that Jimmy Stewart has had to quit the force because of his disability. Not right. just the right. physical injury, but the mental injury. And so so he goes to see Gavin, and Gavin's working at the shipping place. And Gavin understands that he's retired from the force, but he has a job for him. And this is the point in the movie where my brain started melting because I had no expectation of what this job was whatsoever or the details around it. And it broke my mind. I, I <laughs> now I, so I listen to other movie podcasts and my favorite one is called with Gorley and rust and they do like horror movies and they watched a movie called body double. And I watched it t- to kind of go along with their podcast. And it's basically this movie 
with claustrophobia. And so once that plot started going and I'd, I was like, okay, I, it's very similar. Um, but basically, uh, Gavin's wife is, he thinks possessed by the goat, a ghost essentially. And he, he hires Jimmy Stewart as a private investigator to follow her around and see what she gets up to and, and take under the guise of taking care of her. Yeah. So, so essentially long, long story short, his wife had a great grandmother who committed suicide in her early twenties. Yes. Carlotta right? Valdez. Right. Carlotta. And so he hires Jimmy Stewart with the idea that this dead great grandmother is periodically possessing his wife. And then she goes on these excursions and he doesn't know where she goes or why. And he wants Jimmy Stewart to follow her around and like, kind of like validate whether or not she needs mental health care. Um, and, <laughs> and so Jimmy Stewart starts following her around and it is literally the first half of the movie jimmy stewart following her around and for a good third of the movie she doesn't even speak like he's just observing her from afar and so she goes to carlotta's grave and she stands there then she goes and she gets uh this special bouquet and she takes it into a museum where she sits on a bench for hours and stares at a painting of carlotta where the bouquet also exists in the painting i think because i think that's the connection there yeah um and they have the same <laughs> hairstyle and yeah. um, so a couple things. Jimmy Stewart is not a good tail. Oh, he's terrible. He is like immediately in her vicinity. <laughs> he parks right behind her everywhere they yeah, go. Like he pulls in right behind the same her. Car. Yeah, my car pulls into the alley. He pulls right behind her and he's maybe two car lengths away. So he's not great at following people, but she never notices. But in the end, we actually have a pretty reasonable explanation why she never noticed. Uh, right. And when we get to the twist here. So uh, this character, why am I blanking on uh, Madeline, right? Yeah, uh, Madeline, yeah. Is, is played by Kim Novak. Uh, and she gets to pull double duty almost in this movie. Uh, but uh, she's playing this character going from place to place. She goes to a hotel and he goes in to check on her and like, well, I know the woman upstairs and in this room and the person running the hotel says, well, it's been signed out to Carlotta Valdez. And he's like, OK, so she's going by the name Carlotta Valdez. Right. So he goes upstairs to look for her. And she's gone. Yes. Uh, he he like there's a lot of like him following around. He loses her for a bit. He picks her back up again. He comes back the next day, you know, but one thing kind of leads to another. And she goes to this little area underneath the Golden Gate Bridge in uh, the, the Presidio, I guess. I think she says at one point uh, this all takes place in San Francisco. Yes. So uh, so she's kind of walking along the bay, throwing flowers in the bay. And then she just like. Stands there, her eyes roll up in the back of her head. She plunges into the bay. And he jumps in after her, fishes her out, carries her, clearly struggling, back to yeah. his car. He's not he's not afraid of drowning, but um he yeah, he struggles to get her out and then takes her home. And the next thing you see is she's naked in bed. All of her clothes are hanging up in his kitchen. So he stripped her nude. Now I don't. He stripped her. He took her to his house instead of the hospital. Creep, I, creep show number one. Yes, he stripped all her clothes off. Creep show number two, and and he's just sitting there in his living room watching her, waiting for her to wake up. Like, I this is not acceptable behavior. I think in any day. No, decade. I can't imagine <laughs> being in a situation. Where I'm like, it's totally okay for me to disrobe this person. Right. And put her in my bed. Yeah, like, if she's, like you said, the hospital. But even me, worst case scenario, I will call a female friend. or Someone, but even then, that doesn't make sense. You just go to the hospital. Right. I mean, if this was my wife, I would take her to the hospital. Precisely. 
I wouldn't take her home and take all her clothes. Or at least call her husband to be like, yo, she's over here in my bed. Um, I haven't done anything because I'm not a weirdo. Come over. But I did take all her clothes off. But she is <laughs> mildly naked. By that, I mean fully. Fully. <laughs> so, so she wakes up and is completely like not pressed about the fact that she wakes up naked in this stranger's bed. A little he bit, gives her though. a robe. She's a little maybe, bit. Maybe, maybe a little bit. And he yeah, tries to bit. calm her. He's like, no, I'm not here to hurt you. Do you remember what happened? My first question is, bitch, I'm naked. What the, what have you done? <sighs> so she comes out. He tosses a couple pillows on the floor down by the fire because you're not allowed to bring a chair over by the fire. It's like, no. Well, it could Coast be polyester. It could just light up. Or made out of what they make tents out of. Why do we camp in flammable tents? Okay. So so she sits by the fire, and he starts, like, very actively, almost, I don't know about aggressively, but definitely pointedly questioning her about all sorts of personal stuff. So, like, from her perspective, she just woke up naked in this stranger's house. She doesn't remember what happened to her. And he's like, where were you today? Where are you going next? Yeah, what clinically doing? so. Like, no, like, no. How are you feeling? What's going on with you? You've had a traumatic event. None of that. Who are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> he just starts, like, just absolutely hammering her with all these questions. And so she she's a little taken aback, but she does start, like, kind of answering him, right? And even he gives there's her a little, little coffee. Yeah, the coffee. And there's something about these and old it, movies where they treat brandy like it's medicine. And it's happened in a yeah. ton of movies. Here, take it. It's basically medicine. Drink this brandy. Well, she's, she spends the night. No, the phone. No, rings. no, she runs away. Yeah. She disappears. He, yeah, he goes and answers the phone. And it's, I think it's the husband. And he's like, yes, yeah, she's here. We don't want to talk about this right now yeah. or whatever. He hangs up with the husband. He comes back out. She's, she's gone. Like she bailed. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And this is where Midge is outside seeing her leave. And this is where you can see Midge kind of have like a little jealousy. Again, it doesn't play any part in the plot. And, mm -hmm. and I can't remember the exact order, but he goes to Midge's house and Midge is a painter. And she has painted a self-portrait that matches this painting that Madeline sits in front of at the museum, but has put Midge's own face on it. And I don't know why, but it infuriates Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> it's not funny, Midge. Yeah. It's not funny. We'll do that they were going to go to a movie and drink beer, but he just uh, like tells her that it's not funny and kind of storms out. And, and then Midge is gone from the movie for like another hour. Yeah. Like that, that's it for her. Um, and it didn't make any sense to me. Why is that problematic? No. Like, uh, well, I, like I, I almost looked at it as though it was a cry for attention from Midge. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Midge kind of knows what's going on in the investigation a little bit because at one point she helps Jimmy Stewart like research Carlotta and the past. She like takes him to this this old guy who runs a bookstore or something, and the guy tells him about uh, what's going on in the past, uh, what happened with Carlotta, and and and. Before we move on any further, I just wanted to talk about that specific okay. scene for a minute because, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they're in the bookstore and the guy is telling the history of Carlotta. And like, as he's talking, the image gets darker and darker yes. and darker. And I was is like, what the... is my, is my TV dying? Like what is going on? And then he finishes talking and they go outside and they start like chitter chattering about the day. And all of a sudden, boom, it brightens up again. And so I rewound it to, to watch that whole scene again, because I was like, am I going insane? Like, was I falling asleep? But no, it seems like an active choice as the story darkens and Carlotta has a child and she loses her child. And then she wanders the streets homeless looking for her child. The the actual image gets darker and darker and darker and then once they go outside and they're kind of free from the story, it lightens back up. And I guess it was an artistic choice yeah. to, to do that. Um, 
But man, it, it's a weird moment. It feels moment maybe a movie. little on the nose. Um, it's yeah. getting dark. <laughs> heavy handed. And, and it, it didn't heavy handed. It didn't come across artistic. It came across as a technical issue. Um, right. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I don't know how successful that was. Well, so Jimmy Stewart is pretty much invested in it now, and he's starting to fall for Madeline, and he's invested in in, in curing her with no medical expertise whatsoever. Well. If from his perspective at this point, she is insane. Yes. Like once once he starts talking to her, like she goes into these like fugue states and she thinks that she's Carlotta and she's like running around driving places and going and doing things as Carlotta. And then when she's in Madeline's state, like she can't remember what happened. And she tells him all this stuff and he's just like, I love you. I'm in love with you. Let's make out. And it's all like real weird. It's, like as far as his motivation goes and like why he's in love with her, like she's a mental case, man. Like she is bonkers. And so I, I, I just had a real hard time with the love aspect of this because I, I couldn't comprehend why anybody would be so entranced with this person. Like, like it's vintage Hitchcock, it, like it, yeah. because the he, he really stinks at love stories. Um, even the good ones like Notorious is one of my favorite Hitchcock movies I've watched for this show. And they like immediately at the beginning, just fall in love with no anything. Right. It just well, we're in love now. And but by the end of the movie, it's good. But it just he doesn't know how to get there or he tries to rush it i don't know it didn't make sense but i'm used to this from hitchcock where he just doesn't know how to tell love stories what yeah it was just a snap of the fingers really and jimmy stewart is in love with madeline while she's running around being like a total lunatic yeah they go to this forest where there's a tree that they've cut like the the oldest tree in the world or whatever it's these sequoias and they've cut it down, and there's, you know, anybody knows anything about trees, I'm no botanist, but um, that's one of the only times I've used that phrase accurately. Normally, I use it as a, as a non sequitur. You know, I'm no botanist, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure gas goes in the car. Um, but I am no botanist. In this tree, though, you have tree rings, which represent a year of time, and they have showing you how wide the tree was at particular points in history, which is pretty cool. Uh, like yeah, a, like arrows pointing to fourteen ninety two. Yeah, here's and, yeah. yeah, like AD forty seven, Civil War, whatever. whatever. And, right, and she's right, like, right. "Well, here's where I was born, and here's when I died." As Madeline playing, so it's really tri- triple. She did three parts, and we'll get to the other one here in a bit. So, anyway, he's trying to heal her, and they go to this like ranch, and there's a church nearby. Right. It's like a like almost a museum, like a museum sort of thing. Doesn't he say it's like a, like a history museum because there's like carriages and horses. Yeah, and but it's there's still, also it's, nuns. Yeah, there's there's a church like a con like a convent sort of thing on the grounds with the carriages and the horses and the old timey 1800s setup. It's it's a little wonky and unclear, there's a lot going honest. on. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, and yeah. Now, our uh, Madeline has gone full Carlotta now, and is like, if if I don't remember what she says exactly, but if you don't see me again or whatever, just know that I loved you. I love you, and I want to keep loving you, no matter what I happens. Hate that part. And, and so anyway, we get to actually one of the parts where. So I'm pretty bored at this point. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I was. I was like, I. <laughs> something better happen here pretty and i was soon. so hyped to watch this one because i know of people who say people say one of two one of three things let's say that the best hitchcock movie is either psycho north by northwest or vertigo and so i'm ready and a lot of people who i respect their opinion is vertigo is the best no no it's not and i said that at the beginning Psycho is still the best, um, but this isn't close to. But anyway, so we finally something happens, right? So right. I, I thought the opening was strong with the, the the guy falling off the building, and now so she climbs up to the tower. Uh, Madeline does, and about halfway up, 
uh, Jimmy Stewart's acrophobia kicks in and he gets vertigo and he can't make it through. Right. He starts chasing her up there. She's running up the stairs in this bell tower, like in the convent. And, and he is chasing her up, but of course, you know, he can't handle heights. And so he starts kind of like leaning against the wall and, you know, he looks over the edge and the big, the big special effect. I loved that effect. Yeah. It's a cool effect. It's the jaw. I always think of it as the jaws effect, but of course, like he, he aped it from, uh, from Hitchcock, who I read aped it from somebody. He else. probably did, but he he gets yeah, credited. You for pull the, the camera back while you in. zoom in at the same. time. I learned yeah. that, and like that's it. It works though. It gives you that. I mean, it's, we've seen it a million times, but and it works here. And then you hear a scream, and Carlotta flies past the window downward. <laughs> Just like, I, at that point, I I literally like yelled and swore when it happened. I was so like, stunned. <laughs> like, like I was like, "Oh God!" You know, like like I had no idea. I don't remember. Going to run up to the top and and jump out of the time, window. I know. I like. I remember. There's a scene that happens in the bell tower from the years ago. I saw this. I just didn't remember this at all. And I just was like, whoa, okay. Now I've now okay, here we go. The movie's gonna get going. I sit up and I'm ready. And they show her she's definitively dead. She is dead for sure. And the nuns like, come, dead on the roof dead. of the lower building. She's a goner. There's a priest up there climbing up with a broom to sweep her off, <laughs> off, get the, off roof. the roof. <laughs> and uh it's awesome. Uh it, Pro- one of the but, best but, two scenes in the movie. Yeah, for sure. But then it like it takes a pretty weird turn. And and I was expecting I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting what happens next, which is like basically it cuts to a hearing. Like Jimmy Stewart like just leaves. And a like weird he hearing, right? Okay, so a, a weird hearing that seems to take place in the church. Like I I couldn't quite place where they were. And I just kind of felt like yeah, it was in the church. Yeah, just come downstairs. We know this just happened. We're not going to do any investigating, but we are going to have a verdict here with a jury and everything. And it's a jury of seven people. In a room like, that's <laughs> empty. It's not even in a courtroom. Really and it's a guy behind a table. If you're a wrestling fan, you know the tables that Devon Dudley used to put people through? That's what he's sitting behind, the cheapest looking table. <laughs> and he's like the judge. And he's just telling everybody the plot up till now, right? He and 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 what a terrible, terrible investigator, he's awful. useless he's, human being, it, Jimmy Stewart is. Like he is just reaming Jimmy Stewart. Like he it's is a not shame an unbiased. He even says it's not the. <laughs> it's not even the husband's fault who hired this lunatic. It's not his fault. He's just trying to do his best. Like he's trying to sway the jury as if he's the prosecuting attorney, right? But he's but the whole time he's saying this won't affect your verdict at all. But man, Jimmy Stewart is garbage. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, it doesn't affect the outcome of this case. But he is a useless human being who let this woman die. Like he just totally like rails on him, and then the jury rules that it was an accident. And, and it's uh, undeniably the guy, not his fault. No, totally not his fault. Yeah. The husband guy comes over and he's like, hey, man, that was rough. Like, that guy didn't need to treat you like that. It wasn't your fault. It's a bummer. By the way, I can't stand all this. I'm just going to leave because my wife is dead and I hated working for that business. You know, he had married into the business. And so I'm just going to go as far as I can. Like, Europe, I am out. I'm gone. And he he leaves them with the words, we all know who really killed her. And I, yeah. insinuating it was uh, Carlotta. Carlotta. Right. Now. So then. That, okay. Yes. Now's when we get to like so he, where it really he goes, goes off the rails. comatose, right? Like he's cognizant enough. When does he, does he have another breakdown or what? Or because all. Well, just, it's like he goes home and he goes to bed and this is where the animated dream right. happens. Okay. Like all of a sudden it goes Disney and there's like crazy animation and strobe light stuff going on. And then he sits up in bed after the dream. Uh, and I think he like maybe sees her falling again or sees himself. Falling. I can't remember all the imagery. Cause it right. Was, like, There's him falling. This iconic shot of a silhouette of himself falling into the swirling thing, which is cool shot. 
but okay. Um, so then he wakes up and the next scene, bang, he's in the, he's in the mental war. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, he's like totally non-responsive mental ward and Midge is there and she's playing a music Midge trying is, to bring him Midge out Midge is the it. woman you marry, man. She's there yeah, beside 100%. you when you're crazy in the hospital. She cares for you. That's what gets me in these movies, man. <laughs> and it's not like Midge is a dog. She's pretty good looking. I, you know, I know yeah, Kim Novak is supposed to be the the stunner, but I, it's, she's that's you know whatever. Kim Novak struck me as standard super Hollywood fair, right? Just okay, but Midge. We need to take a second here and talk about Kim Novak's makeup. Because I actually texted you while I was watching this movie. <laughs> because I was just, I mean, maybe when it's blown up on a big screen, it's not as noticeable or whatever. But the makeup on her in this movie is insane. Especially in her second role. Like, her eyebrows are like normal human eyebrows. But then they've painted these giant clown eyebrows over her eyebrows. That extend and down to her on, cheeks, it seems like. Right. They're like, they're ginormous. And then I noticed later on, like her lips was the, I was hated the same deal. The lips. She normally has like her, her natural lips are kind of thin and they painted these big goober I, clown lips I on hated her. hated the way the that looked. Movie. It's like, dude, what are they doing to this poor woman? Yeah. Like, she's probably pretty. And they just turn her into this circus show for the entire movie in the name of, you know, beauty or whatever. But uh yeah, that was it was not no, a it great was bad situation. Yeah, it was bad. It was distractingly so bad. So we find out it's gonna take a year at minimum for Jimmy Stewart to be uh at, recovered and out of the sanitarium. What feels like the next day, he's out. Now, right. there's no indication of a passage of time of any sort. The transitions in this movie are bonkers. Like, there are some really weird scene-ending moments. Like, at one point, like, when when uh, Madeline is in Carlotta mode, he's like, I'm going to take you out to the woods, or we're going to go for a drive. And then he shoves her out the door and says, come back at noon. And then the next scene, they're driving. <laughs> it's like, why? Why did he have? Why did he shove her out the door and tell her to come back at noon? <laughs> like, and there are a few moments like that where, like, he's like, "I'll be back." And then the next scene, you know, they're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing, and it's like, why? Why? Why have that line? Why not just cut to them doing what they're supposed to be doing? It's it's very strange. So I wasn't too taken aback when he makes his instant recovery. I backed it up just, to just a little bit to see if I missed like a, a crawl on the bottom that says one year later, something. No indication. Nah. No. So he's out and about and he sees uh, her car, uh, Madeline's car, in the same place it was parked before. And it has been sold by her Madeline's husband to this elderly woman that lives there and he's just kind of wandering around the streets and he's just he is it's seeing seeing Madeline wherever he goes yeah he goes into the restaurant where he saw her for the first time and he looks over and there's a woman with similar hair and he sees Madeline he walks down the street and he sees somebody in similar clothing and he sees Madeline you know he has this kind of like psychotic obsession with Madeline because even though she was bonkers he loved her, and now she's dead, and he can't have her anymore. Yeah, he's a loser. And so, and I, I don't, it's sad. Sack. Yeah, he just, and then he goes. Okay, he was creep mode before, but then he goes into just controlling creep mode now. So he meets a woman named Judy on the streets, who's basically looks exactly like Madeline, except she, her eyebrows are even longer and her hair is brown. And he follows her to her apartment, knocks on the door. And I just want to talk to you. And he stands there, <laughs> refusing to take no for an answer. Now, as the viewer, I don't know. I think they do a pretty good job of making her look different enough from yeah the yeah. Even though it's and the and the performance, like it took me a moment to realize it was the same actress. And and the performance is good enough because when she's being Madeline, she has this voice and she does the drama. And the character the 1950s is so drama. much more fleshed out. She's more independent, frankly. She stands up to him. She's like, no, get out of here. Go away. What do you, and like, she just 
questions him on everything he says because it doesn't make sense. And she just, it's a very different character. Yeah. And so she's like, no, what are you doing here? Are you trying to pick me up? What's going on? Why are you just showing up at my door? Weirdo. I'm good looking. I know what a pickup is and that's what this is. And, and so he just keeps pushing and pushing and he eventually makes it into a room with the, you can leave the door open. I just want to talk to you. And so she lets him in the room and he immediately jumps to like, who are you? Yeah, Bo? he goes back. Who are you? Same questions. Where are you from? Have you ever jumped in a river? <laughs> Tell me now. And she's like, okay, who? Okay, I get it. You love someone who's gone. Get out of here. But he's like, will you have dinner with me? And and this is where I lose respect for because she's just like, sure. Why not? Right. But. Right. And then, of course, I'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back, much like the Terminator. <laughs> I'll, be back. I'll be back in half an hour, but she needs an hour to get ready. Right. So at this point, like, I, I was a bit at a loss as far as what was going exactly. on. And this is and this is where Hitchcock tips his hand. And, and I, I read, interestingly, that there were two different cuts of the movie. And his favorite cut of the movie was to not tip his I hand here. I think I would prefer that. Yeah, because he he reveals the twist, and at this point we're like two thirds of the way through the movie, and he reveals the twist here, uh, and I think I would have preferred that it waited till the end too to reveal uh, the even twist. like they have where the second twist would have been in the movie already, right? Yeah, because there's a there's a scene where Jimmy Stewart pretty much explains all of it, right? And right, yeah, and that's that was the other cut was just to leave it be a mystery up I until think that then would have he figures it out. And it would have been a like a M night moment where your mind like breaks. Uh, but okay. So she sits down and she writes this letter and she's like, Oh, Scotty, you found me. It's, it's me. And here's what happened. I was hired so, by they, she, you get to see a flashback of what happened. She gets to the top of the bell tower and the scream you hear is indeed this Madeline, but she's screaming because he didn't want, she didn't want, Gavin, keep keep up with me now, folks, who hired Jimmy Stewart in the first place to track his wife to dump his already dead wife off the building. You find out that he had broken her neck and he. Right. He, he, so. So genius. The Madeline of, that we know. Yeah. Genius level planning. The Madeline that we know was a hired woman who was hired to pretend that she was crazy, pretend the whole Carlotta thing. And basically get Jimmy Stewart to follow her enough that he would track, like, go with her to this bell tower where she would climb the stairs, knowing that Jimmy Stewart couldn't follow because he has the the fear of heights, so that Gavin could toss the real Madeline out the window. And then she, the hired Madeline and Gavin just hid up there until everything was done. And the guy swept her off the roof and the cops came and everything. And then they just got in a car and left. So it's, it's Gavin's way of posing this as a suicide and then having a witness in place. Uh, Genius, genius murder uh, that this guy has plotted out. And it's so genius that he gets away with it. scot free. Nothing ever happens to this guy. <laughs> he goes to Europe. He inherits the shipping company. And he's, and out. he's out. You never <laughs> see him again. He never pays the piper. He's done. He's like he's basically the guy from Rear Window who got away with it, though. Right, right. You don't have to feel bad for him when we've he gets seen caught. the perfect murder in this film. <laughs> oh, uh, so that and I'm okay. Okay, so. Now, if we look at this from two different cuts, so the next, like, four hours of this movie, he's taking her to various places to buy her the outfits that... uh, So he basically starts dating who we now know as Judy. But he's so obsessed with the memory of Madeline that he he's basically shoving Judy into this Madeline shaped hole. Like, like he's like, is, you need to wear these Madeline clothes. You need to have this Madeline hair. I'm going to take you. You're going to get it dyed. I'm going to stand outside and watch while they do it. I don't care if you like this. Gray he is suit the that worst controlling boyfriend you've <laughs> ever seen. And so that's where with the scene in the middle that we talk about where the twist took place, we know that this is really, her real name is Judy, the, the the character. And we know that Judy played Madeline. 
And so it kind of almost like, like I'm like, why is she sticking around this guy? But then you realize it's Judy and it makes sense. Whereas if you take that scene out, Jimmy Stewart's just the worst person. He's horrible. Like he is horrible. And you kind of like get a sense with Judy that she's going along with it for a couple reasons. Like number one, she, she may have really loved him. Like when she said, I, I love you and I want to go on loving you before she runs up the bell tower and his eye jumps out. Uh, maybe that was Judy kind of shining through and she really meant that. Like maybe she really does love Johnny Scotty. Uh, and, and, and so I, that's, that's one reason. The other reason is maybe guilt. Like she might have totally that she just like, just destroyed this dude's psyche. Like he was in the mental ward for a year after this, like he is gone. And, and so maybe she's going along with it in some sort of, I don't know, to make up for what she, what she did to him. But as a normal human being, I think there's a certain point where you would be like, yeah, dude, enough. Yeah. This is like you, this is super the, creepy. You're making me into your dead kind of girlfriend's so friend's the, the wife part that guy. Really? So the, the, she, they go to a store and she's like, but I like the first business suit. He goes, no, you're wearing this business suit. Oh, okay. And then they get her hair done. You're going to go get it dyed blonde. And she comes home with a dyed blonde. So she's made these sacrifices for this total ass hat. And then she gets home and he's like, that's not the way I told you to wear your hair. It's supposed to be pinned up. And I told them. I, I'm like, I would stab Jimmy Stewart in this movie. He is the worst. But they decide to go to dinner. Then she goes and she pins up her hair. And then at this point, like, it's it's clearly Matt. Like, yeah. You know, but even like, he's not convinced. So apparently the only thing that gives this away is she puts on a necklace, which is the same necklace. That Carlotta had in the painting. Right. So like she kept it. She kept it after she got paid off by Gavin. She kept this necklace that was supposedly like an heirloom that went from Carlotta to Madeline. And now Judy has it because she was pretending to be possessed by Carlotta or whatever. And she puts on the necklace, <sighs> which you would think like is a like the biggest rookie mistake that it's unbelievable. She even goes so far earlier in the movie to take the gray outfit that she wore. And push it and hide all it. the way in the back of the closet. So she's not a total idiot, but she wears this necklace, and this he gets another like flashback dream sequence, and then the movie gets really really good again because right. Jimmy Stewart. Now he has been off his rocker for the last hour of the movie, so him losing it here makes perfect sense, and it's horrifying actually because he's like, I got somewhere we're gonna go. And she's like, where are we going? We're driving a long way. He goes, don't worry about it. And like, he gets out of the car. He's sweating. And he's like, uh, I, I wrote it down. And she says, like, where are we going? He goes, I have one final thing to do. Then I'll be free of the past. And I was just like, oh, like, I, that was good. <laughs> like, the, <Yeah>. like <laughs> I'm, I'm in on this moment because I don't know what's going to happen. They go back to the tower. And and he t he tells her that they're going to climb the tower. Yeah, together. and then about half we're going about up about the point where he breaks down the first time, he stops and essentially explains the plot. I figured it out. You were hired, you know. They killed, he killed his wife, and I was the the sucker that you guys played so I could be a witness. Yeah, and but but like he doesn't just stop and calmly explain it. Like he's raging, he's sweating, he's gripping her arms in like this death grip. She keeps trying to get away, he's shoving her up the stairs. Like he's like, "Nope, we're going up yep, the stairs," you know. And she's like, "Let me go, let me go." And he's like, "No, we're going up the stairs." It's all like lunatic energy, you know, because he realizes like, a he's been had, b he's been almost an accessory to murder. C this woman that he loved doesn't exist. Yeah, like. She's not real, and and he's just been a total sucker this entire time. I, like, they had this big plan, and he was the patsy and was, like, the best patsy of all time. And she tries to, 
like convince him, no, I really do love you. We really could have something. And me as the viewer, I'm like, yeah, you probably could because frankly, who are you falling in love with again? You know what I mean? Like, I, they get to the top. And this is where the movie is like simultaneously good and what the hell. <laughs> so they get to the top and they're talking and she's trying to talk him into things. And this great shot of a nun coming up the stairs, shrouded in darkness, like just wonderfully creepy. And this is so creepy that Judy just walks backwards out of the tower and (laughs) dies in the same place that Madeline's body was thrown. She just drops like a stone. And so I I couldn't tell, and maybe you can clarify this for me, and I should have rewound it and maybe watched it again, but I was so kind of stunned. Like... Do you think the nun heard some of this conversation like the nun kind of knew what was going on and that's why Judy like on purpose jumped out the window? Or do you think that it was like shock at the sight of the nun that just she took a step back and down she went? I think it's the latter. I think it's meant to be tragic. Uh, I think the nun was just like, who's up in my bell tower? yelling like a maniac and then she gets up there yeah i think it's just that she got shocked and just took a step back and because she has trauma from being in that bell tower the last time she was there right so like i wonder i wonder what would have happened if the nun had not appeared you know yeah like would he have thrown her out the window would she have jumped out the window or would everybody have just calmed down and gone to dinner like <laughs> like would he have been I don't want to see you again yeah. would he be would he have arrested her did he still love her enough to try to have a life with her like would they go on a mission to chase down Gavin like there are so many possibilities of what could have happened if she hadn't fallen out that window but she does fall out that window and Jimmy and then, walks out and on the <laughs> ledge to see her down below and the movie ends and the movie, ends. which I like, just boom, Paramount logo, perfect. Bang, it's over. I love that. Um, leave me going. What the hell? It's fine. But I would say there's a good fifteen to thirties kind of gracious, about a good fifteen minutes of good film here. Yes, the rest of it I would is say so. so boring and borderline cringy when he's dressing her up and. Like I was okay. Like okay, so my my problems with the movie came in the first half of the movie, like when he was following her around and 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 all of that. I felt like that could have been tightened up. Like this whole thing would have been made like a really good one hour Alfred Hitchcock presents, which you should do after this. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> but uh, like that, that could have been cut down a lot. By the time he starts dressing her up, it was so bonkers, you know, that I was I was sitting up and paying attention at this point because like I was really kind of invested in the the psychology of what was going on with him and and why he would torment this person in this attempt to recreate this other person that he had lost with no regard for her feelings whatsoever. Um, it, it, much like he was in real window. Yeah. In the first half of the movie, he completely, completely disregarded, uh, his girlfriend. Uh, maybe it's just a Jimmy Stewart trait, but the idea that he had this Barbie doll, this mannequin that he was going to, you know, sculpt into this other person, was fascinating to me. Like it almost played to me like a horror movie, you know, like he has like this, like a wax figure and he's gonna do whatever it takes, regardless of her feelings to, to convert her into this dead woman that he loved for some random reason. And so like for that, I, I was there for it. I was, yeah. I was like, Cause it was so weird. Like it was just so bizarre and unexpected and, uh, just not at all what I thought this movie was going to be. And I think I would have liked the second half more if I didn't know that she was Madeline too. 
If it was just this, this woman that he's abusing, I'd be more mad at him. And, and yeah, I think that would be a more compelling film knowing, not knowing that she actually kind of brought this on herself to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you don't know, then you lose, you lose, uh, insight into her motivation and, and what, what she's thinking and why, she why would is be Judy doing that, you know, this, this woman even giving this crazy old man the time of day. Right. It doesn't, but then that, that would all come crashing home then right. at the end with the big reveal. And so, yeah, there is something to be said that yes, he tipped his hand too early and, and shouldn't have, like, I, I think the whole movie would have probably played a lot better had, had you not known who she was yeah, I think so. and, and that she was the same person, you know? Yeah, I agree because they, they changed, they changed her appearance enough and her mannerisms enough that I probably would not have realized it was the same actor. I didn't until, until further. Yeah. In. I didn't until I put it in the Google. I, I like, I mean, obviously when they started changing it, it became obvious, but when she had the brown hair, and there was a mole on her face that disappeared all of a sudden when she changed her hair color. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, this could be a different actress because I think Kim Novak's performance as a second character and to a degree, a third character is pretty good uh, where it didn't immediately register as the same person to me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, between this and rear window, I, 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 I've gotten a really bad taste in my mouth for Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and I like Jimmy Stewart a lot. Like I talked about the six shooter, which is an old time radio show with the Jimmy Stewart. And I love his voice. And, but I always took Jimmy Stewart as the nice guy, right? Like when I think of before starting this, if I think back, he's the guy in uh, the Christmas movie that everyone watches. Uh, it's a wonderful, it's life. a wonderful life. And yeah. and I think of his voice as being very soothing and just think of him as a nice guy, but in all the Hitchcock movies now to a lesser extent, the man who knew too much, but he's relatively kind of scummy in his Hitchcock films rope. He like in rope, he talks about murder with two of his students and, and has some very, well, Nazi style ideas about who can commit murder and who can't. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a wild one. And and then like when he comes face to face, his students actually kill someone. He's like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. No, duh. Um, <laughs> watch Rope. Ropes. I won't call it a good movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, it's really worth watching. Uh but then in The Man Who Knew Too Much, he's kind of whatever. He's kind of a jerk to his wife. Like, their kid gets kidnapped, and uh, he drugs her before he tells her. Um, it's wild. Uh, it, like to keep her calm? Or? Yeah, just to keep her from... It didn't work. Um, <laughs> it's just a wild... Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, like, after seeing this one and just how like lunatic it was like it managed to be lunatic and boring for part of right. it at the same time. That's tough to do. But, uh, I, I am tempted again, like I said last time to go watch more because, uh, I think this might be my new Sunday afternoon thing. Like I'm just going to catch an old Hitchcock movie because this was so much crazier than I expected it to be. Like just starting from the possessed wife. Yeah. Like right out of the gate, I was like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe that this is, what this movie is. I had no idea, you know, and, and uh, yeah, he's got some good ones yeah, uh, and something else, but he's also got some that are absolutely insane. His first movie is bananas. Uh, the pleasure garden. It's wild. Uh, and then he's got other ones that are kind of like spellbound is kind of like this, but I think it's better. Um, but it, yeah, this is almost like a, a gender swap spellbound to a degree. Uh, whereas in the other movie, well, then again, he's kind of crazy. Anyway, yeah, all right. So how do you feel about Hitchcock now? You've seen these two movies, 
And uh, beforehand, I, I believe we said you were watching what, like North by Northwest, Psycho. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, I've, the I've birds, seen maybe. like several the birds, several of them when I was young, like too young to even like understand that they were Hitchcock films, you know. Um, and so this is my first time kind of sitting down as an adult to to watch some of these films. Um, I'm kind of in, man. Like, like again, there are he clearly has some problems with women. Yes. You know, it and, and <laughs> women women end up in some bad, like humiliating situations in these movies. And uh apparently the worst is still to come. Uh, oh great. So the birds is known Tippy Hedrum has said very horrible things about filming the birds. And then Tippy Hedrum comes back from Marnie. I've never seen Marnie, but I understand that it's pretty problematic. So uh we'll see how that goes. Mm, that's interesting. So, so that aspect of it aside, um, the plots of these things are so wild. I mean, like, I guess you have to kind of go into it with your eyes open, knowing that you're going to get some like 1950s pacing and there's going to be, you know, some, some pretty dry parts of the movies. But again, just like Rear Window, it all builds up to that last 10 minutes. Yeah. And that last 10 minutes just turns the screws and turns the screws and turns the screws. And, and, um, I mean, that's like, I confess, if you want more of that, I confess is that way where it's just like, wow, what an ending in uh stage fright. He has a number that just like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And then like the last 10 minutes just nails it. And right. I don't know that this stuck the landing, but certainly Jimmy Stewart's uh, manic, nature in the last few scenes is is excellent yeah i imagine people in the 1955 or 1956 when this came out walked out of the theater on like you know like wow <laughs> like that was really something you know and and but it wasn't so, to me i don't know like <laughs> i so next week is north by northwest and it's a movie yeah. i've seen that i remember loving and this watching this has sown doubt in my heart. I don't know if North by Northwest is still good because I don't remember the last time I've seen it, but I remember loving it. It's my second favorite Hitchcock film. But I'm a little Is that worried. also the one? Is that the one with Cary Grant running through the cornfield and the yeah, airplanes? Yeah, that's the icon. And I love Cary Grant. Mm -hmm. I love Cary Grant. But Cary Grant's been in a stinker called Suspicion. It's awful. Um, of course, everyone has stinkers, but you would think Cary Grant plus Hitchcock, it'd be great, but it's not. Right. Um, but then he's been in Notorious, which I love. So, <laughs> Psycho's right around the corner. And I've seen Psycho, and I know how good it is. Have you seen Psycho? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how good that yeah. movie is. And what's great, so Elliot's going to be on that episode, and he says he knows nothing. Oh, so oh really? I, oh. I really hope that's true. Because I've always wanted to see, by the time this comes out, he will have not, we'll recorded by now, so it'd be safe to spoil. But uh, he does not know the, the big twist, I think. So um, I'm hope That's insane. That's insane to me that somebody could exist in American culture. That doesn't know. And, right. <laughs> and not know the twist in Psycho. I, I don't know. There are so many moments in Psycho that are like cultural like touch points, you know, the shower like scene. The leading lady dies, you know, a third of the way through the movie. Like every, everybody knows that. Um, don't be li you know, don't Stop listening. Elliot. <laughs> oh, you said he wasn't going to yeah, hear it before. As long as we record this weekend, we'll be fine. <laughs> okay. 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 This okay. is a month away so, from coming out. <laughs> so yeah, I can't imagine. I'm wondering if going into it cold, if he's going to find it boring. I the way that we found vertigo. boring. I think you the know? first like 30 minutes. But when there's she so much gets that to driving, the hotel, there's driving and driving. There is and driving, driving and driving and talking about banking and 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 all right, that. But right, right. And I think a lot of people are going to be turned off by the first thirty minutes of Psycho. And I can, like, you won't get an argument out of me. When she gets to the motel, it's a perfect film. Oh, it's just a creep show after that. It's yeah. so good. Anthony Perkins is is he's just amazing. He's so good because you like him. Even though you yeah. shouldn't, I, it's wonderful. I can't wait. 
um, because I I forced myself not to watch it. Like I've watched that movie a lot, and I forced myself not to watch it till I got to it in the podcast. So it'll <sighs> be interesting. It's going to be interesting to hear. It's going to be fun, Elliot, because Elliot doesn't. Uh... He doesn't pussyfoot around when he doesn't like things. Oh, believe me. We'll, we'll, it'll be fun. I haven't yelled at Elliot in a while. Um, well, I have a slate of five movies at the end of this podcast. You're welcome to come back should you so desire. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Name one. I'll, I'm on there. Uh, Just, I, yeah. I, I'm going to, I want to see if Tessa will come on for Marnie. So uh, there's Frenzy, Torn Curtain, uh, Family Plot, and one more uh, Topaz. The one of those I'm most interested in seeing that I haven't seen yet is Frenzy because it's about a serial killer. Uh, and uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. Put me down for Frenzy, man. I cool. am, I am in. I will do that. Uh, well, uh, so before we sign off, tell people where they can find you, where they can hear you, where they can read your words. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh I write for GamingNexus.com. We are a uh, video game news and reviews site. Um, I also am part of the the Gaming Nexus show, which is our podcast uh, spinoff from the website where we do not just talk about video games. We ramble on about pretty much anything that comes to mind. Uh, fun cast of four people on there. We have uh, two writers, a streamer, and a video game developer, part of the regular cast. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, just Eric Hauter on YouTube. It's H-A-U-T-E-R. And my Twitter is at Eric underscore Hauter, Eric with a C, H-A-U-T-E-R. There you go. All of those links will be in the description. Be sure to check them out. Uh, like I said last time, I was on a past show with them. And uh, maybe I'll get to do it again. I got the guy here. I can pressure him into it. And oh, we'd love to have you back, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I do want to thank you for listening. You can reach out to me at Podcast by Jeff on Twitter. You can email the show, which no one has ever done. It's HitchcockChronologically at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to watch North by Northwest. Watch it along. I think, I think most people will like North by Northwest. It's a thrilling action movie with a charismatic lead going from scene to scene. I remember loving it. Don't let me down, North by Northwest. And I'll see you next week.